Hello and welcome to episode 157 of the NCP. As you can probably tell from my lack of excitement there, I'm still we're still not well at uh, Casa de NCP. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll try to muster up some more excitement as the show goes on. <laughs> Crank out the excitement. I hope, I hope none of these germs are like carried over Skype at all. I don't want to be sick tomorrow. It's not a computer virus. <laughs> yeah. And that's about as far as the comedy's going. <laughs> that's as much as I can muster. My name is David, and with me for this episode we have the lovely Crystal. Infected. You're also infected, infected are you? Yeah. That's right. You don't need to share everything. <laughs> no, sorry about that. <laughs> I was taught to share. And Bo! Do you guys have one of those like big tents over your house? Like, is the government like uh, quarantined off? <laughs> like on ET's big domes? Yeah. Not quite to that extent, but uh, we haven't had any visitors for the last There's couple of weeks. There's a big red cross painted on the door. <laughs> yeah. So, um, because of uh, because of the plague hitting us at NCP, we uh, we didn't have an episode last week. It's our first ever missed episode. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I did. I did like a ten-minute little uh, mini super super mini episode, just because uh, I promised some people that I would mention them and stuff like that. For example, uh, Cannons in the Clouds. Uh, the good people from Cannons in the Clouds are doing a Kickstarter campaign for to fund the trade paperback edition of their of their comic, and uh, I'm fully behind them, man. As I mean, not only are they lovely people, but uh, the comic is awesome. It's a, it's a, it's a great all ages comic. I mean, how can you see? You can't say that very often. So it's you know, I'm I'm fully behind them. We've backed them, so uh, hopefully their campaign gets. They seem very pleased with it. Yeah, they're good people. Good uh, good people, and and you know, I want to support them as much as I can. So um, there's like eight days to go, I think, from the campaign. I don't know. I looked at it yesterday, so it's either eight or seven days, and they're about five hundred bucks off. So come on, people, twenty five bucks so like- to get your trade. Every single age, like would my eighty-five-year-old grandmother would she enjoy this comic? I reckon she would. So it's every every possible age. Every age that can read the written word, <laughs> she should be able to enjoy it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> David's personal guarantee. Oh, well, I'm not personally guaranteed. It's not like I'm going to pay you back if you don't like the book as the way. But I, I think if my I really grand- enjoyed it, I think if my grandmother were to have like her ideal comic book. It would just be about cats and yarn and and quilts. I could will it a bet that there's a comic out there that, just, that does that. that yeah. A cat that plays with the yarn as the as the lady is quilting. I guarantee <laughs> yeah, you it that exists. Would, that would be her dream book. Yeah, <laughs> and even if it doesn't exist, somebody should do it. But uh, yeah, so yeah, so we did like a little mini thing, and um, yeah, we're still we're still not exactly one hundred percent, but uh, we're going to do a soldier on with a full episode. See how we go. Man, I hate, I hate that, man. I hate you guys are sick. It sucks. Sorry, dude. <laughs> we didn't mean to offend you. We hate it, too. <laughs> we did, Trust me, we hate it, too. Anyway, things are going well for uh, for Undercast Network. Going, going gangbusters over there at uh, at Undercast headquarters. Man, I'm trying. I'm trying to make you proud, David. Oh, mate, you, you definitely make me proud. ECN is uh, leading the way. I, I think ECN and... And Mana Mojo are our, are our flagship shows for Undercast Network. So I just, uh, I'm really, I'm very, very proud of you guys and your awesome show. And your, and your awesome, your Patreons, you got, well, you're up to 10 now. That's pretty sweet. 
Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. We, we've uh, we've gotten a lot of Patreons, and um, some local businesses have been interested in sponsoring, so yeah. might be able to send some money overseas pretty soon. <laughs> send some money overseas. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine. And, uh, and yeah, Men of Mojo, they, they're, going, they're going game busters. They're going really, really, really well. So, um, yeah, pretty exciting. Exciting days for Undercast Network. Despite what Howard Stern says, podcasts, they're the way yeah. to go. Screw yeah, that guy. screw that guy. Screw that guy. Who listens to Howard Stern anyway? Yeah. Nobody listens to Howard Stern anymore. <laughs> Nobody. Or, there, yeah. was, there was a great comment on your, because um, you guys recently talked about Howard Stern and his and his things, uh, his comments. and uh, His there was, things. Yeah. His <laughs> private personal things. Well, his movie, oh. is called, his movie is called Private Parts, so that'll give you an idea. Um and, uh, but no, there was a great, great comment in uh, in your um, your chat where one guy says, is, is "Howard Stern is the the Kanye West of radio." <laughs> oh yeah, someone left that as a comment. But yeah. you know, my whole thing. So Howard Stern says that podcasting is for losers. Yeah, and he says like, it, you know, it's it's almost too entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial in a way. Like the like if you like anybody can start a podcast, so nobody can shine. That's basically what Howard Stern says. But guess what? Almost anybody can work at a radio station, and that's how Howard Stern started out. Like, I'm not yeah. saying he's untalented, but like, this just this is the age of the internet, and like, he just has to get used to that, you know? Yeah, it's, the, the things that some people, you know, certain people on podcasting, like Mark Moran, for example, um, Chris Hardwick. I mean, nobody can say that they have not been successful through podcasting. Oh, <laughs> I mean, way more people listen to Mark Maron than howard stern today i mean i think probably if you're going over all time then howard stern probably has a bigger audience but like as far as people that listen today i'm sure mark Marin probably blows howard stern's socks off yeah yeah exactly and i'm not even, not even a fan of his show but you can't you can't deny the man's success and 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 what people are doing in podcasting today is essentially what howard did anyway so really, yeah. all it is is they just—it's just—it's the same thing, but in a different with a different medium. I just, his comments make no sense. It's quite clearly just sour grapes. Yeah, and you know he's he's famous for being you know like the underdog and the anti-establishment and all this. But these days, he's the host of America's Got Talent. He's the company man. He's yeah. the opposite of the underdog. He's the opposite of anti-establishment. Yeah. He is the establishment these days. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Bird, Hollywood, bird. <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, I, I have no ill will towards the man. I just, I just, found, I just, I just, the thing that is about his comments that annoyed me was more or less just that just they just didn't make a lot of sense. Just to, clo- to quote Luke, you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, you just you're wrong. You're wrong, Howard. <laughs> I still quite like the movie Private Parts. I must admit, but, but you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I do too, and I and I don't listen to his show now, but I used to like his show when I was a kid. So like. Like there's a certain amount of credit that I have to give to Howard Stern. I think it's just I think it's kind of something that came with age. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's like he's like it's like the old man's get off my lawn, <laughs> get off my radio waves. <laughs> anyway, uh, so for this episode, uh, we've got uh, we've got no more Howard Stern. I promise. Uh, for this episode, we have some reviews. We'll be reviewing uh, the death of Superman Lives. What happened? Which is a pretty interesting documentary that uh, both and myself were quite excited to see. Um, I'll also be doing a mini review on the movie Debs, uh, just because I saw it the other day and uh, I just want to mention something particular about it. Uh, And Bo will be reviewing the Scream TV series, which I haven't seen, so I'm very much looking forward to this review. 
Cool, man. Cool. Yeah, it'll, I will call it a mini review too. I mean, because I haven't I haven't finished the first season yet, so I don't know how much of a full review it'll be. But I've watched a lot of it, so I can tell you about it. All right, cool. It's a teaser review. Teaser. All right, interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, we're also doing uh, round eight of Clash of Champions. Uh, for, the, for this edition of Clash of Champions, it'll be Sylar from Heroes versus Dakin, the son of Wolverine. And we'll also be doing some Azerothian times. Because, you know, we're obsessed with Warcraft, so got to have some Azerothian times in there. <laughs> Those days where he was too sick to play with the... Play on the Warcraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was there, I was, was, was going to mention Azeroth in touch. Far too sick to play WoW. Oh, no, I actually was, right? It's like, it's like I, was, I was so ill, that I, but I'm so addicted. I was like, well... Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not at work, so I've got to give Warcraft a go, right? But I was so ill that actually, I, I turned on my computer, I turned on Warcraft, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the screen, and I just my brain couldn't process the fact that I had to then move my hands. So <laughs> like, so like I'm looking at the screen, and my hands on my mouse, and I'm just sort of like staring at the login screen, and I almost fainted. Mm. And eventually, I just said. Yeah. Screw this! <laughs> I just turned it all back off again and went back to bed. It was I, 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 I don't deny that I attempted it, but I just there was no <laughs> way that my brain could function enough to actually play the game. So when I got home I, from work. It wasn't like oh I feel sick or something. I can't play Warcraft. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the indication of how sick I was. The fact that I couldn't play Warcraft. <laughs> So it was pretty bad. So here I am. So I'm like, you know, I'm lying in the in my my, my bed of, of of plague, and it's like you know four <laughs> days off work, and I couldn't play Warcraft for those entire four days. I was like, I was like, this is that like blows. the end of the world. It's like hell. <laughs> yeah, that that really blows. <laughs> That's not good enough. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but anyway, enough about being ill. Let's move on to some exciting stuff. Review number one: The Death of Superman Lives. What happened? That's the full title. Death of Superman Lives. What happened? Yeah, it's a little too it's a little too long though. I think I yeah. like the Death of Superman Lives. It's a perfect play on words though, because you yeah. have the Death of Superman, which is a famous comic, and then the movie. You know, Superman Lives is like a perfect. You know, yeah, we did. Cut to what happens, and that's that, that actually a, it's a pretty uh, perfect segue to the actual review itself, because it's my opinion the the documentary uh, it's, is very much like the title is just a little too bloated. So the death mm. is, it just left it as death as it may lose, it would have been fine, and the actual documentary itself has similar problems. But um, as the title suggests, the documentary is about the, the film Superman Lives and uh, why it eventually didn't come to pass. So uh, it's directed by, directed, written, and, you know, basically the whole thing is basically all done by John Schnepp, uh, who is a big fan of uh, Superman and, and Tim Burton and stuff like that. And when, when yeah. he found out that... Uh, there was going to be, there was going to be a Superman film done by Tim Burton. He was, you know, really as quite as quite a lot of us were. We were very excited, and uh, and then when it didn't happen, he's like, "What the hell? You know, why did this not happen?" And so it's become sort of his obsession. Um, some would say now, a little. Was this his first documentary, or uh, I believe it's his first documentary. I, I hope it is because it's not very well done. So hopefully, it's not like his tenth documentary, but. Uh, um, yeah, I'd say it's, I'd say it is his first. Yeah, it, I wouldn't say it was not well done. I mean, it definitely looked like a. I don't want to say amateur sounds too mean, but it definitely didn't look like an extremely overproduced documentary. I mean, it definitely seemed like you know it was an indie documentary, but um, but I still enjoyed it. and I thought it was well put together. 
Although I think what you're getting into, and, and I agree with, is that it, it, there's almost too much information. Like you can't walk away from this with much of a coherent story because there's just so the documentary has just so much information, and, and there's not really a good narrative to it. You know what I mean? That's exactly what it is. I don't think it's mean to say it's amateur. It is 100% amateur. It's in this, the fact that it has no actual linear narrative is what lets it down. I think. But it's, but I mean, it's it's, it's so full of. But I, I still enjoyed it because of I actually quite I'm quite intrigued by the subject matter, um, but also because, oh, yeah. because of some of the some of the stuff that you get to see is just stuff that you like we would never have seen otherwise. I mean, he's managed to, um, the the fact that he managed to get the actual like costume test footage, is uh, is amazing. So I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it, every, it really anybody is. who knows anything about the project itself has seen that photo of Nick Cage standing there with his eyes half closed. And yeah. you know, and but the, so the fact that he's actually got all the footage around that is uh, is yeah. pretty cool. But so basically, to give, so to give a bit of background, um, the Superman Lives film was uh, was was meant to be directed by Tim Burton and starred Nicholas starring Nicholas Cage and dealt with this basically dealt with the storyline of Superman dying. So Superman is killed by Doomsday, is resurrected, uh, and uh, comes back to save the day. And it was it was meant to uh, basically resurrect. Is the Superman franchise? Uh, so Tim Burton is on is on a you know massive high with with his a string of films, specifically the Batman films, obviously, um, and uh, things like you know Edward Scissorhands and all that sort of stuff. And so um, they just they decided to after the after the, the abysmal uh, takings of Superman four, decided to try and resurrect the their, their Superman franchise and and. Uh, Basically, everything was was placed on Tim Burton's shoulders. Um, it went through uh, a, a, quite a number of scripts. Uh, most famously, uh, by Kevin Smith, he had uh, he didn't have the first stab. But it's actually it was originally the project was originally called Superman Reborn, and there was some, and some guy wrote that script. I actually, actually Doctor Reed actually doesn't even say who wrote that script, uh, but Kevin Smith is brought on board and and uh, funnily enough to actually help with the the Beetlejuice sequel, Beetlejuice Goes Hawaii, which I thought was hilarious. But then when they then they when they mentioned <laughs> uh, they mentioned the fact that they've actually got the rights to Superman, he's like, "All right, I'm all over that." And so, um, so he does a he does a script, and uh, a couple of other people have also also attempted some scripts. Was um, Dan Gilroy and uh, who's the other guy, and some other guy. Anyway, um, so the script, so it, it it goes through quite a few different sort of alterations, and it's and John Peters, you know, puts his puts his uh, his mark on the project by demanding that there be a giant spider and you know various various interesting sort of anecdotes like that which are which uh, which are which are pretty cool um so the documentary deals with uh, so the, the the actual the the creation of the project and the the scripts behind it and john peter's interference and you know the <laughs> which is pretty funny um and uh but then sort of then delves into uh, the sort of the production behind it, um, including mostly uh, mostly focusing on the on the costume, which is actually quite fascinating, uh, and but also in sort of the actual the, re- the other production, which I think it then gets a bit bloated by it's you know we they've got storyboard artists and conceptual artists and all that sort of stuff where I think it just gets a bit well, maybe a little bit too you know in depth, but other than that you know it is what it is. Um, so. Uh, a couple of a couple of the the highlights for me are, are of course is the is the costume and sort of Nicolas Cage is sort of in the costume and stuff like that and it looks it, it does look as bad as you would imagine it would be. <laughs> I just can't get past it. I mean, and 
this could be the greatest film ever, but there's no, I can't imagine it would ever work with Nicolas Cage as Superman. See, but, see it's interesting you say that, right? Because because at the first thing, as soon as, you, as soon as you hear the words Nicolas Cage as Superman, you're yeah. like, what the hell? My brain immediately goes to that website where it's Nicolas Cage is everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 you're right. <laughs> and it's... And, and it's in the, I don't know. I don't deny that my brain thought the same thing. I mean, I mean, I was alive during this period where they were doing this film, right? I, I was following it as much as I could. There was no internet, so it's you know I was reading Fangoria magazine and all that sort of stuff. You know, so I tried to follow this project as much as I could. And when I heard the words Nicolas Cage, I was like, even then, like, what the, <laughs> what the hell? hell? <laughs> right? Um, so you know, and, and a lot of people were the same. And and I can understand that. That's totally understandable. But the film that they were trying to make. Now that I've actually got a more in-depth knowledge of what it is they were trying to do, Tim Burton and stuff, it actually makes perfect sense that Nicolas Cage is playing Superman. Because the storyline yeah. they were doing is not the Superman that we know and love. It was this, it was this bizarre take on, on what, it, what is it like to be an alien in a human world. And the, that sort of, that, the persona they were creating for, for Clark especially fit Nicolas Cage perfectly. I still can't imagine it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still, I, I'm glad the film didn't get made in the end because <laughs> I just, I just like this, this, this ridiculous storyline. But it would, I'm still intrigued. I would have, I would have been intrigued enough to see it. I can be sure. Oh yeah, oh, no, definitely. No doubt, we would have seen it. <laughs> uh, I just think uh, one of the cool things about the documentary was was seeing the like different Hollywood antics, like you were mentioning the giant spider. Mm. And um, the Beetlejuice in Hawaii thing, like <laughs> it just—it was kind of funny seeing the inside of that. And like they're like, "Oh well, I want Superman to fight ninjas." There's like one part where they're <laughs> yeah. just like, and even the people writing the sequence were like, "I don't even remember why Superman was fighting ninjas. They was—they just wanted that." Yeah, yeah. They're talking to the storyboard artist at the time, and he and he just he stops the interview because he's like. You know what? Uh, I can't remember why this is happening, and, and to be frank, I just remember just being <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, I mean, the actual the, the the idea of of looking at the project and why the project didn't happen and stuff, I think, is fascinating, and, and I love that sort of stuff. That whole what could have been um, is is great, and uh, the fact that I followed this project itself it, it, in real time when it was actually happening is, is amazing. It's amazing to me that actually, actually now I can go back and. You can actually see all the footage and all this sort of stuff, which is all amazing stuff. And be glad that the project didn't actually happen. Um, but um, the documentary itself, I just, I just don't think, I just don't think he's a very good documentary maker. I just, I just, I don't think he's a very good interviewer to start with. Um, he's, and he's the the way the documentary is put together is is not the greatest. So it's, uh, it's, I, I guess, in reviewing the content, um, the content's awesome. <laughs> the actual documentary itself is, uh, yeah, it could have been better. I'm glad it exists. It exists at least, so I got to see it. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't the best documentary I've ever seen. It, I think it was just lacking a narrative, kind of. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was terrible. Um, I, you could just kind of tell that you know the creator of this. He's got he's got a road ahead of him, learning to you know become a great filmmaker. But I, I didn't think it was that bad. I kind of feel like it was a narrative. Like if there's any narrative in the documentary at all, it's just that. The it's kind of like these people had this story, and as the story grew, it just kind of got out of control. You know, I mean, mm. it, it started out as just this, you know, kind of simple story, and they wanted to add this and that to it. Oh, well, what if 
you know, what if, uh, you know, he feels this way about this, and then we need a giant spider, and then I think he should have a bubble head, and, you know, just, it just kept getting bigger and bigger, and out in the skull ship thing, and it just, by the end of, I don't know how the story would have gotten put together yeah. in the first place. You know, it just seemed like it was almost like five different movies, you know, trying to be crammed into one, you know, and I kind of think yeah. that was part of its doom was, was that. And it's and it's funny that at the end of the documentary, you see that they finally got the giant spider in Wild Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, that movie sucks. <laughs> oh, that movie's terrible. And oh. I think this movie probably would have been better than that one. I mean, I hate Wild Wild West. Yeah, that is the worst Will Smith movie of all time. <laughs> one of the one of the good things about the documentary, I'll just I'll just finish. I'll finish on a high note. Um, is I quite like the Grant Morrison bit at the start. Uh, so where, where he's talking to Grant Morrison and he and on his, on his ideas of how Superman and stuff, and then he sort of he narrates the intro. You know, imagine the. You know this this alien being coming to Earth and stuff. I thought that was quite well done. Yeah, uh, and and I've always you, you mentioned it, but you know I, I've always been fascinated by the story behind the movie, and it and it is really neat to get to peer inside of that. Hmm. Um, one thing that I thought this documentary shed light on that that I appreciate is that those pictures of Nicolas Cage in the suit and how silly it looked that was so early in production. That was like pre pre production, you know. So I mean. Yeah. It, it's almost not even fair for us to judge those. And if you if you keep that in mind in, in looking at, you know, the rest of the models that they made of the suit and with all the different colors and that, like, regenerative shoot or, suit or whatever, I really feel like that had they, if they had been able to make the movie with the budget that they originally planned, it might have been a pretty cool-looking movie, whether it was actually any good or not. I, you know, I like the whole concept of, of the way Brainiac wore the cloak and, and was, you know, like the Cobra. Um, I mean... There was some cool concepts in, in the in the planning. I just think that they had too much going on to try to actually make it. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I'm, I totally agree. Yeah, it's, yeah. I actually don't think the suit looked that all that bad to be honest with you. I mean, it's, I mean, it's the uh, the regeneration suit, like they said, was only two minutes of screen time, and then yeah. and then the concept of of uh, his little companion K, who then becomes his suit and sort of resurrects him. I yeah, thought was, Kate, I thought it was Kate quite was like fascinating. Thing, yeah, yeah, actually, it was, it was an awesome idea. But uh, I just, yeah, but the, the underlying storyline behind it, I just, just, I just, I, don't, I just didn't see it. I just did not see it working, especially not with Nicolas Cage. But anyway, it's it didn't happen. Instead, we got Superman Returns, and you know, the argument can be made against Gates whether that was a good film or not. Anyway, oh, the death of Superman lives. What happened? <laughs> uh, moving on to the other review, uh, I'll, I'll try and make this quick. Is uh, is Debs D dot E dot B dot S, uh, which is a 2004 American action comedy film written and directed by Angela Robinson. Uh, it's an expansion of her short film Debs uh, that was included in the Sundance Film Festival and, and various other type festivals. It is uh, it's a it's a parody of uh, the Charlie's Angels sort of format. So you have the, the basic plot is that. Hidden within the SATs is uh, a sort of like a mini test of uh, an aptitude test for whether the, the people can be good spies. <laughs> it's like a spy test, <laughs> and um, if you, it, it kind of like you know, sort of like the last Starfire sort of deal is like if you uh, if you are shown to be a good spy, they then recruit you into the Debs program, program, um, and you become you know a, a, a super spy sort of deals, and uh, and you know it's. It's it's interesting, but it's it's not very well executed. I mean, it's 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 trying it's trying to be a parody, so it's you know it's obviously trying to be a comedy uh, a comedy action film, and it doesn't quite work. It's really not that funny to be honest, and it's 
it's uh, it's not very action packed either. So it's so the, it's a, it kind <laughs> of it kind of falls short on both of those. Things. I mean, it's not terrible. It's not a terrible version. It's and it's, it's also quite cheap and and you know I mean the special effects are not the greatest and stuff. And but and I just it just it doesn't to me it just didn't really work as sort of an action comedy sort of film. Um, but one of the one of the things that I, that I actually quite I did quite enjoy about it. the reason I watched this film is because I read a review about it. Um, that mentioned a certain this certain particular aspect of it, so I was I was intrigued. I wanted to check it out. Um, and so what it is is that the main bad guy is actually a girl, is uh, played by Jordana Jordana Brewster, who you'd know from uh, the Fast and Furious films. Um, and uh, you know she's like the greatest supervillain in the world, and and her name's uh, it's Lucy Diamond or something like that. And so because she always you know she loves diamonds and leaves diamonds behind and uses them as weapons and all sorts of crazy shit. And so and the. The Debs are all girls, right? So the, the Debs are obviously the Charlie's Angels type analogy, right? And the the twist is that the the main bad guy, uh, or the main bad, bad girl, Jodie Brewster, is a lesbian, right? and so and she's and she's finding it hard to find love. So as as a as a major supervillain, she finds it hard to meet people, and and uh, the, the movie starts with her going on a blind date um, that's set up by her. Uh, um, who he's he's, he's off her uh, her offsider guy, her hench her main henchman is played by. Uh, Jimmy Simpson, and he's actually probably the best character in the game. To be honest with you, he's he's a he's a good actor and uh, he's a cool character. In the movie, in the what did I say? Game. In the game. <laughs> well, it is kind You're of a game. Bad with fever, David. So, uh, well, I'm still ill. Uh, in the film, yeah. Um, anyway, so well, so so one of the one of the the Debs is Amy Bradshaw, as, as who's played by Sarah Foster, um, and. When they meet, they actually they accidentally bump into each other, and uh, in one of the lame action sequences, and uh, it's it's an instant attraction, and they actually then eventually fall in love. The, the film is then the film then becomes sort of a sort of a romantic comedy, romantic comedy action, and uh, as you know, Lucy tries to go straight in order to win <laughs> um, the Amy's affections, and Amy's struggling because she was actually she's not. She never actually thought that she was gay. The, the, yeah, so the reason the reason I was, I was kind of drawn to it is, is this: it's it, I, th- I found it quite unusual to have that sort of basic storyline. Is is the that that the plot of 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 two girls actually falling in love? And actually, and I've got to say, it's actually the highlight of the film. Is it's I mean, it's not played for it's not played for you know gratuitous sort of you know it's like oh yeah it's you know two chicks getting it on that's hot. It's, it's it's actually it is actually quite sweet. It's actually quite romantic and nice, and um, and and the acting really comes to a fore during that storyline. So the, for most of for the majority of the film, the acting is actually pretty terrible. But those two characters are really quite quite sweet and romantic, and you know you can really yeah. I, I really felt there's like well they actually there's obviously some chemistry on there. I actually thought it was a better example of a female gay love story than blue is the warmest color which you know everybody gets all the praise about mm. so yeah um so for that for that alone i highly recommend checking it out but uh unfortunately the rest of us not that good <laughs> did you think it, i mean it's interesting because she's a female super villain and her focus turns on to to finding someone to love rather than dominating the world whereas a male superhero supervillain would be focused on ruling the world yeah well she's already well she's i think she's what it is is because she's already the major supervillain mm. now she now it's more it's more about she wants to settle down. i'm yeah well i'm i'm lonely yeah. you know it's, it's like i lonely i, I want to find somebody mm. and so her henchman guy 
tries to help it out as much as good as possible. And, and he has some sort of pl- pretty classic lines. It's like, war is easy. You know, villainy is easy. Love is hard. <laughs> you know, and, you know, especially you've got you to make an effort. You've got to get out there. You're not going to be happy until you do. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's quite funny. Although just I mean, one very, very quick aside before I let it go is her character has some sort of beef against Australia, which is, <laughs> it's never explained. <laughs> so he's, she's like, it, it, when, um, <laughs> What she goes, she goes on sort of like she basically forces the main character, the the Deb girl, to to go on a date with her, and it doesn't go well, and she gets really upset. She's like, you know, screw this, I'm going to blow up Australia. And the Hedgewood guy's like, what is your beef with Australia? What's the deal? And he's like, I just, says, I just don't like their attitude. <laughs> Which I, you know, being an Australian, obviously, I found that quite funny. Too positive. <laughs> Sorry, make too much. So- so Australians are too positive. To <laughs> is that thing. what it is? We're too, we're too yeah. happy-go-lucky. <laughs> Which yeah. I say is the attitude that she doesn't like. But anyway, so that's Deb's. Stress. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so our final review is Bo, and he's doing this, the Scream TV series. So the Scream TV series uh, on MTV, right off the bat, you hear the MTV mm-hmm. you know, channel, and it's kind of like gives you a negative connotation, like this is going to be a, a teen wolf set in the Scream, Scream universe. Yeah. And, and it does have an element of that. It is definitely a much younger cast than the actual Scream movie. It is the Scream movie series, only it's not in the same vein as... Um, it's kind of the same universe, but it's a different story. It's not the same story from the movies. Um, so it's not... You know, it's similar to, but not the same as the From Dust Till Dawn, whenever they took the From Dust Till Dawn movie and then turned it into an entire season. Yeah, it is it's actually like, in the it's, same... It's in the same town, but it's set after the events of the films, yeah? I don't even know that it's after the same events of the film because the they do reference like a previous uh, murder, yeah. Um, but it seems different than the ones in the movie, so uh-huh. I don't even know that it's even based on that. Gotcha. I, I really, I'm really not sure. Right. Yeah. So uh, honestly, they, they maybe maybe it is based on that, and they've just kind of changed it to better suit this universe as opposed to the actual original movie. Hmm. Um, but it definitely is based on a previous set of killings. Um, and, um, you know, he's kind of coming back and is after the, the children of, of that generation of killings. And it's, uh, it's set in the scream fashion, you know, some girl's at her house, she gets a phone call and then the guy on the phone is like, I like what you're wearing or something like that. Like he's been watching her and then she goes around the house and sees that her window's open and a door's open. And it's just kind of like, you know, I always wonder about this guy, like he's not a superhero, like how does he? How does he like sneak in? He has no like Navy SEALs training or anything like that. He's just some crazy guy with a mask, and it's got to be a lot harder to sneak in with the mask on than if he didn't have a mask on. How do you know so, he doesn't have any Navy SEALs training? Well, I mean, the first Scream guy didn't, and I assume that this is a similar thing. I'm just, right. I'm just saying this whole, the, the whole, the genre as a whole has a flaw in it, right? right. Like, there's just no way. It's unbelievable to me, and, and when I saw Scream. I didn't think about it then, but whenever I'm watching this TV show, it's very apparent to me that there's no way this guy got in this girl's house. It just it doesn't make any sense, like how it's possible. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that being said, it does fit in the Scream universe. So as a Scream, as a TV show based on Scream, it makes sense that the the killer would be able to do that, and that's part of what this show has going for it. One thing I hate about like um, CW shows and MTV shows is that like. Whenever something dramatic happens, the characters all get over it way too fast. Nothing seems to have any real impact on the story. Maybe characters really do stay dead, but it doesn't seem like their death affected anybody. And 
that always bugs me in other shows. But in this show, it makes sense because it, it seems like it's established in that universe. That that's the way people deal with death. Because in the Scream movies, it was the same way. Like, oh my gosh, someone died. <laughs> Let's go get coffee. You know, like, it's just, it's just a, normal, a normal day. Like, it sucks that Tiffany's not around anymore. But we'll just see how it goes, it I guess. It is what it is. You know? It is what it is. So it goes. You know, like... <laughs> It's just life here in the scream world. Right. Um, so in a in a way, in a way, I think the show is is probably just bad writing as far as that's concerned. But it works. It works for it. It kind of has this in its favor almost. Um, so where I would normally turn a show off and say, "Oh, this is terrible acting, bad writing. I don't think I'm into it." I kind of think it fits. I think I kind of think it fits the style of Scream. So I, so in a, in a weird way, it's a plus. Um, and that's a, you know, at this point, I can't really say much about the storyline because I'm not at the end of the season and I'm kind of like, I think I'm on episode four and each episode, basically somebody dies and then the <laughs> town reacts to it and, and they react to it by going, oh my gosh. And, and then doing their normal day. And then at the end of the episode, the main character gets scared by somebody calling her and, and they give you some clue that it's somebody like, uh, you know, that you might see that somebody has blood on their hands or something. And then in the next episode, it turns out it's red paint or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it, like it, they give you some clue where you think, oh, that's the guy. That's the guy that's doing it. But sh- but you can almost guarantee that whoever they're making you think it is, it's not that guy. You know, it's, it's, you, can, you, you can just make a checklist, and every time they show you that it's, it's somebody, you can mark them off as it, it's not going to be that guy. Hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm still watching. I'll probably watch the whole season. And when I finish the season, I'll give you an actual review. But right now, I just kind of wanted to rant about the superhero guy being able to break into people's <laughs> houses. <laughs> Fair enough. I did I did read that uh, the opening sequence of the first episode did get uh, quite a bit of praise for being quite well done. But, and uh... yeah, I'll be honest. That's probably the, the honestly. That's I'm not even saying the show's bad, but that's probably the best sequence of the whole show. Hmm. Um, and. And all jokes aside, it's really it's really not a bad show. It does do that whole like melodrama thing that MTV does. Yeah. But again, this is almost a perfect TV show for MTV to do because that that Scream is based on that. Hmm. Like that's part of the that's part of the storytelling of Scream. So I think it works in this. And and they may have done it on purpose. I doubt it. I think it's kind of just something that comes with with this type of show. Um, but I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to stick it out at least at least to the end of this season, and then I'll, I'll review the whole season. Right. That's it for our reviews. Let us know what you think. Have you actually seen uh, The Death of Superman Lives, Debs or Scream TV? Let us know. Please. <laughs> Please contact us. <laughs> we you need sound friends. like you're dying over there, man. Like, you, you're so sick. I'm sorry. I'm quite... I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> my energy level has dipped dramatically. But that's I'm right. trying to cheer you up. I'm trying uh. to cheer you so. Oh, it's talking to you always cheers me up. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, let's move on. Uh, so, so, Clash of Champions, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Uh, round eight. So, it's, round eight's actually the last fight in this like tier. So, after this fight, we're going to have a bonus round. 
which I'll talk about talk about later. Uh, and then we'll actually start moving into the next sort of tier, which is you know the winner of round one versus the winner of round two, and so yeah, sort of go on from there. So I'm impressed. Pretty exciting. I'm impressed that you were prepared enough to have the round number ready. <laughs> I, I, I looked at it five minutes before we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Cool. So uh, yeah. So after the after our next uh, next uh, after the bonus round, we actually will like, go to. Uh, yeah, so round one versus round two, which would be Captain America versus Black Widow. So that'd be pretty exciting. But well, anyway, we'll get to that later on. Uh, so this round, round eight, we've got Sylar from Heroes, the Heroes universe, uh, the the main, the, the major villain from as, as played by Zachary Quinto. Um, and the reason why that is is because uh, Crystal picked him, which I thought was pretty cool. And I think it was just because Heroes Reborn is in on your brain. No, no I didn't even register. I was just staring at the DVD cabinet thinking who would be a good character. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. That, I think it was subconscious, though. I think yeah. you've seen the Heroes Reborn previews and you didn't even realize it. But that's no, why you were picking it. Possibly. You know what I mean? Actually, that was the first conscious time I saw the preview for it was last night. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and uh, the, he's... So, because Silo was actually chosen, I just I randomly picked his opponent. And his, and his opponent is Dak. The, the son of Wolverine, or a hero, as he says, his actual real name is, I think, a hero, a hero, something like that. He, his name is Hero? A hero. <laughs> He's a, a hero? A hero. <laughs> oh, like that, I don't know, I can't remember. <laughs> not a Deccan master. No, it's just, that's just, that's just so apt. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. So, the arena, 1800 by 1800 feet island. Which is roughly four city blocks for 450 feet by 450 feet, filled with typical city stuff, buildings, warehouses, shops, cars, etc. It's covered by a force field that reaches that reaches up 700 kilometers into space. In space, <laughs> which is high enough to go into space. Uh, there are which I which I did that so that we can have flying flying fights and stuff. We haven't had a single flying fight. <laughs> anyway, uh, there are no civilians present. Uh, so that's pretty cool. You actually, you actually get to see what the arena looks like when we when the uh, the comic get comes out because uh, Crystal's designed what the arena actually looks like, and it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty excited. <laughs> Just waiting for the for the colors to get done. Come on, Domo, get those colors done. <laughs> really excited. But uh, anyway, um, and uh, as is normal, I'll do the uh, the results. The results were interesting. I must say, I must admit, they were actually not as as a lopsided as I assumed they were going to be. Uh, but I'll do the results at the at the end. So we've got a breakdown of the characters. Now I'm not I must admit I'm not the uh, most knowledgeable person on Silas. So I had to do quite an extensive amount of research. And yeah. um because I haven't seen all of Heroes, I must admit. Uh we tried to rectify that recently. We we're watching some heroes but uh so I've done a bit of research. So now I did specify that it's Sila as of season one. So what happens is Sila is uh, is part of the is part of Sila. Everybody in the in the heroes universe, all the main characters obviously, all have a power, and Sila has the unique ability to figure out how something works just by looking at it. Um, so at first glance, you think that power sounds pretty boring, right? He's like he's like he's a watchmaker, and because you know he's obviously very good at that sort of like the mechanics of stuff, but. What he does, which I, which I think is genius, is he he is, he's, he finds out that there are there is that he's not alone in the universe. That there's actually he find, he finds out there are actually other people with abilities, and so he uses his ability to look at their brains. It's teased 
you know, this is a spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it's teased that he actually eats the brains, but he never does. He thinks that's it's disgusting. He actually just looks at the brains, and, and that looking at the brain is enough for him to figure out how their ability actually works. So even though he doesn't genetically have that ability, he can figure it out and therefore then use it. It's a damn shame he didn't have a cat scare machine. It would have been life a lot easier for those. He eventually, <laughs> as the show goes on, he eventually gets the ability to, to figure it out just by watching them do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. he's, so he's quite similar to the character... He's like a super-powered version of the character Taskmaster from the Marvel, Marvel Universe. So Taskmaster is, has uh, oh. the ability called photo, photographic reflexes or something. So if he, if he saw somebody do something, he could then replicate that movement. Um, but he wasn't Maybe. able to replicate powers, whereas Psylar can. Um, so uh, the reason I specified Season 1 is because at se- during Season 2, he gets infected, uh, like quite a lot of other people in the show, with the Shanty virus. Um, which wipes most of his abilities away, which he then has to go back and then get some more. And so by the time he gets to season three, he becomes just a powerhouse. Like there's, there's, there's some websites online that have, have pitted him up against Superman and and the entire X-Men team and just, you know, all that sort of stuff. So he just becomes ridiculously powerful, um, which, I, which I thought just didn't quite fit the balance of, of our competition. Um, so season one, but even season one, he's still quite, Substantial. He's, he's still quite a threat. Um, so, to be very specific about what he can do in season one, with this this awesome heroeswiki.com. Uh, so whoever wrote the heroes, whoever wrote the Silar entry for the heroeswiki.com, you're a legend. Uh, so season one, he's very specifically has telekinesis, shattering, which is the ability to explode things just by looking at them. Um, yeah, it's it's limited. He's not. He can't just explode whole buildings or anything like that. So as as demonstrated, I've actually then gone and YouTubed all the bits showing him using these abilities. So he can explode. He explodes um, like a toaster or something like that. So it's it's not it's not like he's he's just going to look straight at that and just make him explode. Um, he's also got the ability freezing. Um, now this is actually quite powerful. Um, like he freezes people solid. It's pretty cool. Uh, melting. Um, and again, it. Uh, melting doesn't generate heat. Uh, he he melts. He can melt an object. It's basically turn a solid object into a liquid object, but it mm-hmm. doesn't melt it using heat per se. Um, but still quite powerful. Imp- rearranges the atoms or something. Yeah, I guess so. Although he rearranges the atoms, would it still generate heat? Rearranging the atom makes them speed up. Makes them speed up. Generates friction. Friction creates heat. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But anyway, it's super powers. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, um, enhanced hearing. Uh, precognition, uh, which he gets from Isaac. So Isaac's the character who uh, uses his precog abilities when he's painting. So he paints the future. Mr. Zack! Mr. Zack! Yeah. So um, so for the purpose of this fight, the precog ability is actually kind of pointless. I've specified that there is no prep. Um, so because there's no prep, he doesn't get a chance to fu- paint anything, and so therefore he doesn't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so, so, that one. so he can only use the precog ability if he paints something. Yeah, has to okay. paint or draw something. Um, and induced radioactivity, which is probably his most powerful ability, which is at the season at the end of season one, is which is why Peter explodes because he also then copies that ability. I think I've forgotten more about heroes than I remember. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm just remembering as we well, go. You know, the big explosion at the end is oh. not is not Silar, it's it's Peter. Yeah. It's because Peter has the unconscious ability of copying other other heroes' abilities whenever they're around. And so he copies the radioactivity and then he's like, What the hell? And he explodes. So anyway. 
Um, yeah, so he's got those. So yeah, so pretty pretty powerful stuff. I mean, even even at this point, it's pretty impressive. Now the most the power he uses the most is telekinesis. That's the one that he that he starts off with, and is the one he's most comfortable with. I think I think the the history of the show shows that it's actually the first power he ever actually copied or something like that. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so telekinesis. Now his telekinesis is we're not talking Jean Grey level here. Um, but it's still pretty good. So he uses it to shield himself. So, for example, when the cops shoot him, he it doesn't hurt. It, it still hurts, but it doesn't. It's not enough to kill him, obviously. Uh, but also, but most importantly, and which is actually the coolest, is he uses it to slice people's heads off in order to then expose their brains. So he's telling. So he's. So it's actually. So he's become quite so adept at using the ability to to slice the top of the skull without so around in a circular motion in order to lift the the, the skull off in this, style. yeah to expose the brain without damaging the brain so that's pretty good that's so pretty that's impressive that's what I'm saying if he'd had a cat scatter those people would be a lot happier <laughs> I guess so but he has no problem killing people <laughs> no no he's, he's a bit of a nutbag he's a complete nutbag <laughs> <laughs> he, t- he t- tries to blame Dr. Shoresh but I think he would have been a nutbag whether whether he had powers or not yeah well he was uh, but he was he was basically uh, to get to briefly go into his history it's not really relevant to the fight i suppose but he just he believes that he is superior to other people because he's he was taught well not not just because of his power but because he was taught when he was younger that he was that he was special you know you know that whole that's that 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 current sort of complaint that you know all the the kids these days are told that they're special all the time instead of you know there's nothing wrong with losing Everybody gets a participation award. <laughs> you know, that sort of bullshit. <laughs> so he was told he was special all his life. And so when he discovers that he eventually then has powers, it's like, well, hey, you're right. I am special. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and away he goes. He's pretty cool. Actually, he's actually a pretty cool character. He's, he's I mean, I think he, they overuse him a bit. He is pretty cool. You don't even actually see him for the first three or four episodes. Well, the first couple of times that you see him, it's actually not Zachary Quinto. It's, it's some other dude. <laughs> Because you never see him anyway. Yeah. Just, he's got the hat. And yeah. So, but, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I but I, I quite like Zachary Quinto as an actor. He's pretty cool. You hear his voice before you actually see him. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so he's got those abilities now. Dakin, Dakin is pretty cool. So being the son of Wolverine, he has Wolverine, the you know standard Wolverine type abilities. So oh yeah, it's it's Akira, Akihiro, Akihiro. Is his real name? So the hero is still in there somewhere. Yeah, well, yeah, what do you want from me? I'm just saying that's, that's just apt, I'm saying. <laughs> All right, it's, it's, it's a okay. good choice. All right, fair enough. I didn't name the guy. Um, and I did specify that it's it's Dakin um, as Dark Wolverine level, because he does eventually become a horseman and, uh, you know, gets ridiculous powers. So this is, so, yeah, so I specified Sila. I just find it easier to do that. So I specified Sila as Season 1 and Dakin is Dark Wolverine. So Dark Wolverine version give you a bit of background on why he's called Dark Wolverine is basically because he hates his father and uh, as all super children do oh well, he's got a legitimate reason <laughs> so is Wolvie Wolvie basically Akira's mother is uh, Wolvie and this and this Japanese lady were you know were shacked up and, and she got pregnant and and um, somebody comes in and kills her it's, I think it's later revealed to be the Winter Soldier actually like attas- assassinates her but the baby lives but Wolvie's not aware of that. Like Wolvie goes into his berserker rage type stuff, and he goes running off, and you know he's you know he's obviously he's a dickhead, and then, and and uh, a, some supervillain shows up. Um, I can't remember the supervillain's name. Some some dude shows up, it cuts the baby out, and then raises the baby 
as his own, but as a supervillain sort of stuff. And so Dakin just has, you know, lived his whole life thinking that Logan abandoned him. And he's technically correct. <laughs> but, but, you know, because I mean, it's like Logan's excuses is like, you know, he say he was so emotionally distraught that his senses didn't realize that, that Dakin was still alive, which is ridiculous. Like, the guy can hear heartbeats from half the world away. It's insane. Then you think he would have asked, you know what I mean? Well, like, why didn't he just look? It's like yeah. the wounds. There's no wounds in the belly area. It's like, well, we'll open her up and have a look. Anyway. He talks to the autopsy, and it, yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah, there wasn't no baby. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I, was, it's, you know, I actually quite like Dakin as a character. It, uh, I think he's fully justified in being the bastard that he is. And he is. He's an absolute bastard. He's awesome. <laughs> he just does whatever he wants to do. He very, but he's very much the 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 I'm superior to everybody else, and you know, and he's he's very attractive, and he uses his sexuality as a weapon, and so I mean, so he's uh, he's a fascinating character. He's bisexual, you know, so he's and he'll he'll do whatever he has to do to accomplish his goals, which is just whatever the hell he wants. So he's actually pretty cool. Uh, but anyway, so his abilities are um, so he's a highly trained martial artist. Uh, he has Wolvie's accelerated healing factor. It's I don't uh, during the Dark Wolverine years. It's not specified just how powerful it is, but we'll say it's on level with Wolvie at the very least. He has retractable claws. Uh, they're shaped slightly different. He has three claws like Wolvie does, but there's two at the top and one that comes out from the bottom part of his wrist, like where Spidey like shoots his webs from. Yeah, like yeah. a tri, like a triangle. Yeah, almost. it's like a triangle one. So he actually. His fighting style is, is suited more to stabbing instead of slicing. Like, Wolvie does a lot of slicing type stuff, uh, whereas Dakin mainly stabs. He actually has this, has this really, really cool scene where he stabs and twists, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> the look on your face, anyway, sorry. Um, anyway. Kalima! <laughs> Kalima style. <laughs> um, he has the hyper senses, so, um, you know, super hearing, super smell, super taste, all that sort of business, all that sort of wolvie type sort of stuff. Uh, he also has immunity to telepathy, um, which has no bearing on this fight because Silas <laughs> not telepathic, but still, I thought I'd throw that in. Um, but actually, what's, what I think is his most important ability, other than his accelerator healing, um, is his pheromone manipulation. So he's already good looking, but he uses his pheromone manipulation... I know it's not scientifically based, <laughs> um, to, mani- to then further manipulate the emotions of the people around him. So I think that's important for this fight. Um, yeah, so like I said, no prep. They're aware of each other's abilities. They're on either side of the city. Good to go. You okay? <laughs> just, just not 100% that was, here. That was a lot of information. <laughs> All right. It's, it's hard to think about how, they, how to start this one because the... I mean, Siler has so many powers, man. He's like a Swiss Army knife of superheroes, you know. Yeah. Right. Let's, let me. Let me. Uh, I'll, I'll start us off then. All right. So I'll make it. I'll make it easy for us. Um, so they're on opposite ends of the city. I think Dakin is going to go straight into tracking surveillance mode. So everything. So because they're they're aware of each other's abilities, right? So he has to. He knows he has to stay out of the range of the telekinesis. He's immune to the telepathy, so he doesn't have to worry about any of that sort of business. Um, so he's he's going to go straight to the high ground and then track across until he finds Sila. And yep. then he's, he has to, he has to, his, his victory hinges on the fact that he hits first. He has to hit first. 
Otherwise, yeah, he's, he's in uh, trouble. He would, yeah. Yeah. So he's so in the shadows. He has superior heightened senses. He knows that Sila has heightened hearing. So he's he's so he's you know he's, he's up on the roofs. He's in the shadows. He's using his ninja skills and all that sort of business. He's got all sort of martial arts sort of skills until he eventually finds wherever Sila is. And I'll leave that for you guys to decide. I think Sila will also be on the hunt as well. Like Sila is not one to sort of just kick back. Yeah, um, so he would he would also be on the hunt, and I think he would also be using his hearing skills. But yeah, do you think do you think that Dakin is skillful enough in his approach to be to be that quiet? Yeah, so, so that's that's the thing. I think that's I think he just on that. I think Dakin, knowing that he has his super hearing, Dakin is that good that he'll be able to offset that. So being ninja quiet. Yeah, so he's being ninja quiet, and he also has his heightened senses, so he knows yeah. where Sylar is. Yeah. So they get into close range pretty quickly. Oh, yeah, I think they get close yeah. to each other. Well, Dagon has to get within close range. So, I mean, he has to do it in order to win. And he'd want to anyway, right? So, let's say, so he's, 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 he needs a quiet. So, with, so he's, he has enough skill and power ability to offset the enhanced hearing. He gets within, he gets behind. So he works. He works his way in order to get behind, in order to do a strike, because it's, 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 he, he needs to do it. He needs to do it as quickly as possible. So it's it's you know straight to the base of the brain hmm. type deal. You know, base of the brain, and you know, and the other hand, you know, into the chest for good measure. Hey, why not? You know, bang. Silo's got his telekinesis up because he's no fool. He's always got it up, like as, as shown in the show. Like he's always got it up. Right? Mm. It's, it's like he's, he doesn't take any chances, and that's pretty smart, as far as I can see. So, he's, so basically, so that can he's sneaking. He's behind. He goes the strike. Sila has his shield up. Uh, the bullets. It's shown in the show that the, when he gets shot, it still does hurt, but not enough. He doesn't actually stop him in any way. Like he gets knocked down every now and again, but he gets back up again and, and that sort of stuff. So this the claws is are not enough to penetrate, but it's enough to actually hurt him. The claws adamantium. They're not adamantium, no. They were just bone. Yeah, there's bone. So that could be broken. And do you think they broke in the shield? That's cool. I didn't think of that. Uh, well, well, bullets are metal, and and when they impact the shield, do they not um, compress a bit? Yeah. So the bones would just break, wouldn't they? Hey, I didn't think of that. That's pretty good. You know. Psh- See, so then, now, so then would Dakin actually because, try and hit him? No, see, actually, now that changes everything. Dakin wouldn't actually try and hit him because he knows he's shielded. Like, he knows that he has... This Siler, this Siler, I mean, whenever he gets hit, it, like, I mean, Dakin could just punch him to death. I mean, he still gets an impact. And yeah. he has no, like, super strength or anything. Who? Siler. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He has no super strength. Purely on his power. So even if you, the shield will dampen the blows, but I mean, I still feel like Dakin could just pound his skull into. Let me throw thing. a different scenario to you, right? Let me throw this at you. Let's see how you think. Knowing Dakin the character the way I do, right? So obviously I have a bit of advance because I know him. But let me uh, scenario two. He doesn't sneak at all. He just finds the nearest cafe, makes himself a latte, kicks back. <laughs> Sala, what you know, approaches. He's like, yeah, he's like, what's going on here? And Dakin just bang unleashes the pheromones. Pheromones like mad. But would they work on Sala? Why wouldn't they? 
that's that's my thing. Why wouldn't they work on anybody? They work on everybody in the comic. Because he because he uh, put a shield around himself to keep him to keep him away. Yeah, does the shield block the pheromones? And his side well, too did, he nutty would in the head for pheromones <laughs> to work. Sorry, so what you got? So Bro's got a good point. If he did, then it, that means he suffocates because pheromones can go through the air. So that's a good point. What did you just say? It's it's um. Is Silar too screwed up in her head for pheromones to make any difference to him? Oh, I like that too. Silar doesn't care about anybody except himself. And I don't think pheromones would change that. Wow. You were on the ball this <laughs> word. You were on the ball. You're right. Because when Silar meets Claire, he has no sexual attraction of any kind. And she's meant to be the hottie. He, when he meets the two in the forest, in the jungle... Again, you know, the boy and the girl, she's meant to be pretty good. She has not, basically has nothing. So is the pheromones enough to trigger it? See, I, you know, I, that's, that's, that's fascinating. I say yes, only because I've seen da- the, the way Dakin works in the comics. But because he's already attractive, it basically just enhances that already sort of underlying attractiveness. So I can't think of any instance in the comics where he's turned for want of a better phrase, where he's turned a non-homosexual character to homosexuality, just using would, the pheromones and would, stuff? Would, would it, the pheromones backfire on him and they work on Silo in such a way that he makes Dakin look even more attractive to kill? That's that's true, because he almost has like a seductive you know, pleasure in killing people. And he wants to get the pheromone power. Yeah, and so Sala then goes all out. He's like, "Hey, this is all right. This guy's got some good think, powers." I don't think the pheromones would. I don't think the pheromones would work on him. You don't think the pheromones would work? No. I mean, if they I did work on him, it would be in the. I think it would be in the way, um, like Crystal's saying, it would make him you know more enticing to kill. But but even that, I think I. I, I think if the pheromones worked on him at all, that's what it would be. All right, I'm outvoted two to one. Let's go this way. So the storyline is 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 yeah, so Dakin's kicking back. He uses the pheromones. He's thinking, I've got this in the bag, right? Because I'm already good looking. I'm going to pheromone bombard Sila. How am I looking? It it actually he it doesn't doesn't work the way he thinks because Sila's insane. Yeah. All right. So Sila's like, hey, <laughs> this is the not only the sexiest hero I've ever, I've ever killed, but now he's you know obviously he's got some pretty impressive powers. Imagine what Silo could do with those powers. Imagine what I could do with these powers. So Dakin's plan backfires. Silo knows exactly where he is, and then he just shatters. How does how does Silo kill Dakin though? I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not as caught up with Silo because I didn't I've watched like four episodes of Heroes. Alright, this is how this is how I reckon Silo does it. Freeze, shatter chest. So he he can freeze well enough to freeze his entire body. Yeah. Yeah, maybe freeze it up in to one of the episodes, level so we can get it. Well, range. in one of the episodes, he reduces the temperature of his surroundings to affect everybody else. And I'm just, I'm pretty sure. I, I, don't, I, I, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure he freezes someone solid. I'm, I'm pretty sure he does. I, I have that memory too, but I don't. Know. Actually, yeah, yeah. Doesn't the the remember. dad? Yeah, yeah. You know the the very first when you when you first meet the cop, Parkway. Matthew. When you first meet Matt, the two parents that are dead, so like the little girl that he saves, the two parents, one of the parents has been killed by telekinesis, and the other parent's frozen solid. Yeah. Yeah. 
frozen. Sorry, it's definitely. So yeah, so it's frozen solid. She, she's stuck to the wall with forks. Yeah, so she's stuck to the wall. So he's obviously telekinetic killed her, and then the and the dad is frozen solid with his head with his top of his skull removed. So yeah, so I, so this is I can Sila just so so I was like, all right, well this I've got to have this guy's abilities, freeze, shatter, grab the brain. All that's left is the head. Telekinesis, slice, thank you very much. Victory. And then drinks his coffee. <laughs> <laughs> drinks Dakin's coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon? Do you reckon is, is, is Dakin says, is Dakin fast enough to s- escape the freeze blast? I say yes. I don't know. I don't, I'm, I, I'm unaware of this Dakin character until you brought him to my I don't attention. Know how well, he's essentially Wolvie. Just, just trying to imagine Wolfie. How does how does it how does the freeze blast work? Is it like he blows cold air at him, or is it just like an instantaneous thing he does with his mind? No, it was, it's it's he blows no. So he, well, in the in the bit where he reduces the temperature, it's he has to concentrate, um, and you never see him freeze blast the dad. So it's I don't know. I actually don't know. It must be something that he does not instantaneously. It takes time. But it must be something that he can do without direction. Like yeah, so that, going yeah. from this hero's wiki thing, what he does is he actually he doesn't generate ice like Iceman does. He reduces the heat of an object or yeah. area. So he can make Dakin colder from the inside out, and there's no way for a Dakin to dodge it, but it's gonna take time. Yeah. Yeah. So in that so, time, yeah, you, I I think I, I can see I can see where your brain's going. So in that time while he's trying to use his abilities Dakin's reduced the distance and has gone Malay, and you're right. I mean, Dakin is super strong, whereas Silo isn't. So even with the telekinesis, he's just going to pummel the crap out of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think it comes down to just if if Siler had some sort of super strength, then he would have the advantage because he could take the blows. But you know, Dakin, and I like characters like this. I, or I'm sorry, um, Siler. And I like characters like this. I like characters that you know have kind of a human flaw to them. Mm. But like, like Siler could literally just be pummeled to death. Like he's just a guy when it comes to how how strong his body is. I mean, he does have the telekinesis shield that he can make, but it's not like you know, it's it's not like Magneto stopping bullets. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. you know, it has a limit. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. it's like a paladin shield in World of Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with I'm with you, man. I, 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 this is this is a lot more exciting than I actually thought it was going to be. To be honest with you, this is actually this has worked out quite well. I just, so, all right, well let's, well, let's put it to let's 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 finish up. So let's put it to the thing. So they've engaged Malay. Who wins? Dakin. So Dakin basically just pummels through the shielding. It would it would be. You know, Siler has no training to, for this. I mean, it would literally just be Siler turns on his shield, Dakin beats the crap out of him like he's some guy on the subway. Like it's it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's 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 flavor it even more. He actually switches the pheromones. So instead of doing attractive pheromones, he starts doing fear pheromones. Siler just can't think of what the hell's going on. He's like desperately trying to use his abilities. Siler could fling him telekinetically away. Yeah, there you go, dude. What, so Sala so, so could keep like, him physically away from him. Threw that woman up against now, the wall. If it, and again, you guys had to kind of fill me in on his strength. If he's strong enough to move a person telekinetically, yep. he could hold him back while he's freezing him from the inside out and actually win. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, 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 telekinesis is strong enough to um, make him fly or levitate. 
um, until he until he gets Nathan's ability to fly. He actually uses his telekinesis to do so. It's enough to um, stop bullets. It's not enough to stop Hero from stabbing him. So Hero actually manages, to, so he's distracted enough to get stabbed at the end. But it is it is strong enough for him to pin a woman to a wall mm. and use utensils to stab her and pin her to the wall. So could season one, Siler, hold, hold Dakin back, who does have super strength, but yeah. if he gets him off the ground, you know, if he gets him off the ground, then Dakin's strength doesn't matter, you know. You know, it's, it's, um, it, it, I, I think you're right. I think it hinges on the fact that whether, whether season one, Siler is strong enough to hold a super-powered being back. Does he yeah, do that? Does, not he, like, does he do that at any point in the show? Like I said, Dakin can't fly, so he can't. If if Dakin's off the ground, he's just suspended in levitation. Yeah, until he freezes to death. Yeah, and then yeah, while he's doing it, so can can Sala can use multiple abilities at, at once. There's another one. For I you. would. Ass- I I can't. Like I said, I've forgotten more about the show than I remember. But I, I would assume the uh, point of him gaining so many abilities would be so he can use more than one ability at once. But I'm not. Yeah. I don't know for certain. All right, so I, I, I'm pretty sure he does, right? I'm pretty. I'm, I'm, I can't remember any exact occurrence, but I'm pretty sure he uses two abilities at the same time, at least once. So he's uh, he's he's holding. So is he strong enough to hold Dakin in place? Because well, that's I think that I think I think Bo's completely right. That basically is what hinges. Is. If he's not strong enough, then Dakin wins. If he is strong enough, Silo wins. With that scene that you're talking about with the mum and the dad, he would have to have used a couple of abilities at once because he would have to have disabled. One of the parents, Boldy was killing the other parent. Otherwise, the dad wouldn't be still be sitting in the chair. Yeah, he'd be trying to. Save yeah, he's the still wife. in the chair, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You're spot on. So you don't actually see it happen. No, but clearly it has There's to have a lot, happened. What a story in that in that yep. crime scene. All right, so all right, so yeah, so it boils down to what both said: Is Silo strong, telekinetically strong enough to hold a super? Well, there's no Strength one, character there's in place. No one really equivalent to Dakin in in the heroes universe in that first. Yeah, season. but Except he just has to be heat. strong enough to lift up, you know, two hundred pounds. I mean, he just has to be yeah. strong enough to lift him up. Yeah, he's no he it doesn't have any bones or anything like Peter's that. Peter's not strong though. Yeah, that's no, that's true. Yeah, it's he's true. a bit weedy actually. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how to answer that one. All right, what do you reckon, Bo? There is scenes in Heroes where he picks people up off the ground. Well, I mean, I mean, going back to the to the parents to the parents of the little girl. I mean, it's, it, he, oh yeah, and no, yeah, I can he can definitely do it, and I can prove it. Not only does he pin a woman to a, to a wall with forks, and then use utensils to pin her there permanently, right? He also, when he goes to then kill the little girl later on, pins a cop in his chair to the roof. Hmm. Yeah. So he's lifted a cop. All the equipment and the chair, and has crammed it hard enough in order to stick it to the roof, killing the cop. So I think so he can definitely hold Dakin in place, and so that means Silo wins. Yeah, I think so. I think you can hold him in place and freeze him, yeah. and then just drop him, and it would and Dakin would survive, but it would take him it would take him longer than our knockout timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Silo wins by KO. And then slices open his head and takes his powers. Yeah. The only way Dakin could could then he's unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. The only way Dakin could defeat Silo is taking by surprise, like Hero did. Yeah. So, so uh, does, does that mean we go back to <laughs> back to scenario one where he uses the ninja abilities well, to well, get even, his get his even sneak still, attack? He takes a few blows and then he pushes him back. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, 
Either way, Silo's still managed to push you back. Yeah, this I think is, you're right. This is not choose your own adventure. <laughs> yes, it is. We can do whatever we want. Go back to page whatever. All right, so <laughs> <laughs> go to page eighty-three. You've been eaten by a Tangarian snare beast. <laughs> so, all right, we're pretty much in agreement that regardless of whether they go into Malay or not, Sila holds him in place, freezes, shatters, brains, victory. Now he has the pheromone power. You know, he has a fair about. Yeah. And the claws. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess if he figures out how that mutant gene works to give him the claws. Yeah. Yep. Yep, he's got it all It's all out. about mutant evolution in heroes, so yeah, that works. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's, but that's fine. All right, cool. Awesome. So, Victor DeSilo, we're all in agreement? Yep. Yep. Cool. All right, so the comments... Uh, on the Facebook, we had 24 comments on Facebook, but only 16 of those could actually be used uh, for the voting. People, I just, I just got to say, look, I mean, I, I very much appreciate the fact that people take the time to leave a comment and stuff. I mean, it's awesome, but you need to say who you think's going to win, otherwise the comment doesn't count. You know what I mean? It's like it's, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I mean, it's, it's awesome. Please keep commenting. It's brilliant. But actually have a little bit at the end, after you've made your comment, actually, oh, by the way, I think Silo wins. Or, you know, it's like, whatever. But anyway, so out of the 16 possible results, what do you, what do you reckon it was? Silo. Deadpool. <laughs> no one mentioned Deadpool, thank God. Someone did actually mention Batman. <laughs> Batman shows up and kills them both. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so it was uh, 16 results. We got eight for Silo, eight for Dakin. It was a tie. It was a tie. I thought it was going to be Silo all the way. But no, it was actually a tie. 8-8-8. So there you go. So with our votes added, that means uh, it's a victory to Silo. He'll be moving on to the next round. I'm not sure that's a good thing. (laughs) Well, his opponent will be Ahsoka. So I actually think that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That's that's a really good fight. So it's his abilities versus the Force. That's a really good one. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Crystal's brain's that's working. Like, that's like pitting the devil against like a little cute, like a little girl, Ewoky. Hey, she's not an Ewok. I think no, no, so. I'm just, I'm yeah, just trying to think of an analogy. I said whenever you introduced her to the competition that she could win the whole thing. She I could mean, theoretically she's... win the whole thing, but I mean, she's she's not all powerful. She's got some pretty impressive people she has to go up against. I think it's, I, I think it's, I think she's great, and uh, anyway, I think her versus Silo is going to be an interesting fight. But anyway, that's actually uh, ages away. That's quite a few weeks away. So uh, our next round is our bonus round. Now, again, bonus round was was suggested by Crystal. <laughs> I, I can't even remember what this was. We were, we were lying in bed having a conversation about future contests of champions. It was like, have you got any ideas for any for any to do? And you st- and, th- and you threw this one at me, and I'm like, "This is genius." <laughs> it doesn't fit the actual competition, but we will do a bonus round, which I thought was cool. Anyway, so bonus round. So it doesn't actually count. So the, the winner of this doesn't then move on to fight somebody else. Just uh, we just th- I thought we'd do it for the laughs. Intermission. An intermission bonus round. The Adams family versus oh. the Monsters. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've actually been asking quite a few people about it because I actually think this is this is brilliant. This fight. So I, I've been asking people at work. I've been asking friends. They're in. You know, I've been doing some heavy duty research on this. So I'm really looking forward to this. I'm really excited about this fight. <laughs> the Adams family. Now I do. We do. We will specify that it's the movie Adams family. I think it should be the TV show Adams family versus the TV show yeah. monsters. You reckon? You reckon yeah. 
Was it, wasn't it Movie Monsters, was it? Yeah, it's Movie, yeah, it's movie Monsters. Monsters Go Home, whatever it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but they're based on the TV show version. Anyway. Alright, so you want the TV show Adam's Family? Yeah. Versus the TV show Monsters? Yeah. Alright, sold. I already know who I think is going to win, but anyway, that's right. <laughs> I've done all the research. I'm, I'm, my, my bet is firmly on one particular one particular side. So yeah, so that's uh, in two episodes' time. So that's it for the Clash of Champions. Move on to Azerothian Times. Azerothian Times. Now, actually, uh, I don't have a lot, uh, but I do. I do want to sort of throw. I didn't get Bo any prep for this. I just, I'm just going to just going to throw it out there, and we'll see what he says. I have some of my characters are female. And Bo has expressed in the past that he doesn't have any female tunes because he finds it a bit weird. And so I got I got, I got thinking yeah. about that right now. Just recently, my um, my main female tune, I put her, I, I transmogged some of her gear just for just for a laugh. I transmogged some of her gear to look like she's a blood elf. So I transmogged uh-huh. it to sort of look kind of blood elfy, right? And by default, the blood elf costumes, uh, yeah. you know, kind of sexy. And so because yeah. she got a um. Um, I got that awesome hawk bow, that golden hawk bow thing, which is very blood elfy. And so, so I changed, tried to buy some of her stuff, not intentionally to be like sleazy. I, I'm, I'm not like super sleazy. I'm not an asshole, but but more sort of blood elfy. And so I just, and it sort of struck me as like uh, this is I actually find this kind of weird. Like my character actually now looks kind of, like it looks like I'm being one of those one of those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so then I started thinking about what exactly does it mean being one of those guys. Um, and so I did a bit of research and stuff, and so I just thought I thought it'd be a, an interesting sort of thing to sort of to bring up. Is it is it a bad thing to have you know female characters? I mean, the most the most common excuse that guys give for having female characters is like, well, I see the character from behind all the time, and so I'd rather be looking at a female butt than a than a male butt. And that is something I hear a lot. Yeah, yeah. and that, that that strikes me is. is I actually find that that excuse kind of fake, right? Now it's 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 just interesting oh, yeah, because I think, so. I think it's I think that ex- that that's the excuse that they expect to, the other person to hear, and so that's the one that they use, right? Because yeah, and I know yeah. and I know that I know that to be at least partially true because I've done it myself. There's just this is a joke. It's like, oh well, why do you why do you fa- why are you playing a female character? It's like, you know, it's like, I'd rather I'd rather watch a you know, a sexy blood elf butt bounce around than, a, than a, you know, the big chunky male butts that you get and stuff like that. And it's actually, even though I said it for laughs, it's, it's, it is actually kind of partially true. I mean, it's, I think this, I think the male, the male avatars just kind of look big and bulky and sort of, you know, kind of weird looking. Although there've obviously been improvements now with the new, the new humans and stuff like that. Um, but, I don't look at my character's butt while I'm playing the game, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, what yeah. their butt looks like is really irrelevant because I'm not focusing on their butt while I'm running around the world doing stuff. I'm focusing on what I'm trying to accomplish, you know? I'm trying. I'm focusing on the creature that I'm killing. I'm, you know, I'm focusing on not being attacked by stuff. I'm focusing on trying to find the object. So, so obviously that, that, that response is ridiculous. But like I said, it's, I think it's, it's, what, it's what they expect to, to hear, and so that's the one that they use. It's kind yeah. of strange because girls have to girls play male characters all the time, and and you they have to because in a lot of games there aren't any female characters. Well, I think it's different depending on the game too. So, mm. like, I always played as Jill in in Resident Evil, and in Dino Crisis, I always played as a girl. Um, but those were games where I was playing out the story, 
and these were characters in that story. Whereas in World of Warcraft, I feel like I'm role playing. Like this is this is myself. This is my embodiment in this universe. So I think that's why I pick male characters over girl characters is because you know I and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with anybody that that may wish to role play that way. I just I don't. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I think that you. I think the, even the way you described it just now, you said I got her this armor and she. You know she has this. You're definitely playing out that character. You're you're not role playing in the same way I am. You are you are playing that character. That character is a separate person from you, and you're you're acting it out. So I mean, I think that's why you pick you know female characters. And it is true, some races look better female than male. Mm. Um, but I just know how I play mentally. I get into the zone that I'm the character, and so right. that's that's why I choose male characters. So when you're playing your undead mage, you're mentally in the zone that you are an undead mage. Yep, and he's Pandaren now. I changed him uh, to Pandaren, yeah, which is kind of sad because I really loved the undead, but I did it for rating reasons. So now you're really... a Pandaren ma- uh, male. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I actually don't. I don't role play the characters. Um, I, I do. I, I, I give them all backstories because uh, I mean, being being a writer, I, I like to. I, I give them. I flesh them out with character yeah. characteristics. But I don't then use those characteristics in the game, and I don't then portray them. I just want to just go just go back and touch on something that Crystal just said. I just I found that interesting. So, so you're saying there's um, so girls play guys because the majority of of the game avatars are male centric. Um, so that would be very that would be very true for first person shooters and stuff like that. Yeah. So but not it, not MMOs in not World of Warcraft. Yeah. In, in stuff like that. I though. just I just assume that it wouldn't feel weird for a girl to be playing a male character because that's what they're used to. Because every you, girl play male characters in other games. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, every was, girl I know plays a girl character, though. I don't know any girls that play a guy character, and, and I'm just basing off the people that I know that play well. Yeah. But I don't know any girls that play male characters. But I know, like, ha- it's like half and half. Um, like half the guys I know play girl characters, and, and half the guys I know play guy characters. And, okay. and most of the time, it's because they're not, like you were saying, like they're not role playing. They're just playing the game, but but I really try to. I focus on one character. That's mm. another difference between the way you play and I play. You have like a ton of characters. Mm. I have like two, and I really only have one because the other one is just like on the rare cases where I'm bored with my mage, I play the paladin. Yeah. But really, I play a mage, and like my WoW career is that mage, and and you know that garrison is is my garrison. Like I I live it out. This second life to me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Like like I'm engrossed in that world. And I try to do everything I can on that one character, and I, I never deviate to another. You know, right? Okay, yeah. Different play styles. I gotcha. That's fascinating. And you were talking about the. Uh, you were talking about what they call the slut mogs, the uh, you know the trans mogs that are all skimpy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a girl in my guild that always, always wears the slut mogs. Right. <laughs> so she loves it. I don't know. <laughs> and she's actually a girl, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She might be listening. Her name's Raina, and, and and her thing is is she always finds she always finds the uh, sleaziest looking gear on her character, and she says that's so cute. That's what she says. <laughs> and why? And why is that? Do you think? I mean, it's, it's I, I would have been interesting to have her on. It's, it's, I mean, it's, does she does she find that because she's she is she role playing that character, and she wants to make it as feminine as possible? Probably, probably. I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't. I've never asked. But does, it, does then she does then she then then cop any of the sort of that on, the uh, sort of anti girl online crap that people do by being obviously a girl? Um, she's definitely not one of those. She's not like a uh, 
you know, she she doesn't. She's actually a very crucial part of our raid team. Like she's not like, you know, you always hear the stereotype. Oh, the girl gets all the loot because she's got boobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's not one of those girls at all. Not at all. Right. She she doesn't fit into that stereotype. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess we're sort of now veering off into sort of like the the, the girl and female players and stuff like that. I mean, as as I just, I just as a it doesn't happen anymore. But when I first started playing Warcraft, I did have. Yeah that sort of that weird experience of because I was when I was playing a female tune I had guys come on to me and yeah. <laughs> and it was weird man it was it was really weird and it was before I sort of I sort of I I got really I really got into it and and so I I, I didn't um like I didn't I didn't as a, as a male obviously I didn't experience I don't I don't have any sisters and so I didn't I never experienced the what some what some girls unfortunately experience this sort of that anti female gamer type thing. I didn't really wasn't really aware of that sort of environment. And, and so, and so my first experience to it of it was when I actually got come on to. And at first, I, it was weird, right? It was weird. I didn't find it creepy, but it did. Yeah. But it felt weird because I'm a man, right? <laughs> and so it was like the very first time it happened. Let me let me tell you, let me tell you a story. The very first time it happened. My very first thought, and I, I, I remember this vividly, was, "What the hell, dude? I'm a guy, <laughs> right?" But then a, a bit of that, of course, I was like, oh, "I didn't, I didn't type this out." This was the very first thought that I had. It's like, it's like, what the hell just happened? It's, it's like, how did he? It's how is he supposed to know that I'm a guy if I'm on an online world playing a female? Of, of course, he's going to assume. He, he would just yeah. he, he would of course assume that I'm a girl. Of course, I mean I was, now uh, it, it doesn't I, I, whether it's How a male or female team. I don't I don't make an assumption of whether it's a male or female. You know what I mean? It's, it's in in the world because a I don't give a crap, <laughs> and b it's not important, right? And c who could be anything? Who knows? Male, female, trans. It, it doesn't you know. It's regardless. It's the the character that they're in the game. Um, but anyway, so so when that so at first I was like, hey, what the hell? And so I actually typed. It's like it's like oh, sorry, man. I'm actually. I'm actually a dude, um, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. It's like it's just that your character's really cute, and it's like, and then and then and yeah, and, it's, and so then I actually got annoyed, right? I'm like, my character looks exactly the same as every other female, every you know. It, it was actually it was my human character's the point. So like, like all the females look roughly the same. Let's be honest, the character customization in Warcraft is pretty poor. We're not talking yeah. Skyrim level here, right? So yeah. I was like. What are you talking about? I mean, now you're just being weird. <laughs> it's like it was funny at first. Now it's just weird. Go away. Um, but that was that's basically the extent as far as it went. That's a, you know, I mean, I, it happened a couple of times every now and that? again. How, how long ago did that happen? Oh well, this is right at the beginning. So this is like nine years ago. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I was going to say. Is I think that the culture around that has changed because I think that back then, you, I think most people that played WoW play the way I do. Mm. I think the days of people having like twelve alts of all different races and all this—I I think that that's more of a modern, modern thing. I think that I think that back then it was you know you had your character and that was that was your life in this universe. And so I think whenever they saw a female character, I think they thought you were playing that way. And, and I would say nowadays it's way less because you got everybody playing League of Legends, you got to playing all these games where you know the good characters are female a lot of times and and. Um, I don't think they necessarily play WoW the same way they did back then, you know? Yeah. I think more people played the way I do than than the way you do. Gotcha. So they, that's, yeah. And plus, and plus sort of online behavior has, has changed. It's, it's 
I think it's gotten it's for the better now. I mean, it's but I mean, it's still there's still a long way it's to go. Almost, yeah. There's still there's still a long way to go. I mean, there's there's still. I mean, as our friend um, Kaza, who's uh, who used to be part of the the Black Panel podcast. I mean, she says on numerous occasions just some of the, some of the ways that she was treated and, and you know it was pretty. Horrible, I've never asked. I've never stuff. asked the girl that I'm talking. To, I've never asked if anything like that's ever happened. Uh, you know, she plays a lot with her husband. He's also in the guild with us. So I mean, maybe mm. she's kind of shielded from it a little bit. Um, but would we would be uh, would we be able to get her on? Maybe I, I'd probably have to, we'd probably have to get them both on. But yeah. I'll. I'll Ask, ask if we can get them on. I, I, I just think it would be fascinating to sort of to sort of hear from you know the female gamer experience that whole you know I mean I, I mean it's sort of like and go through the tropes you know what I mean it's like playing a female tune versus a male tune the you know the the and uh, horror, I hate this I hate this word but I have to say it, you know the whole attention whore sort of business you know all that sort of stuff I mean it's just I, all this sort of I just want to does that sort of stuff really happen because I don't get exposed to it anymore I mean I'm not in it's a guild. I'm a guy, you know. I don't get exposed to that sort of stuff anymore. Just does that sort of crap still happen? You know, I'm sure it does on some level, but I, I, I would imagine it's less. Honestly, in World of War, I'm not saying on the internet as a whole, but in World of Warcraft, I'd say it's probably less now. Here's yeah. an interesting point: her husband actually plays a girl character. <laughs> See, there you go. There you it's, go. It's, this whole scenario. It's, I it's really want to talk to these people. So if they are, if if you are listening, um, yeah, Bo will be in touch. I, I would. I, I just I would very much value your opinions and anybody else who's listening as well. I just is you know we haven't I don't think we've really answered any questions. So I didn't really, but I just, I, just thought, I thought it'd be just an interesting talking point. So we'll definitely we'll talk about that at some point. Cool. Um, well, that's it. That's that's actually all I've got for Azeroth Dungeon. All right. Well, let's finish up with coming soon. In Australian cinemas, August twenty-seven, we get Attack on Titan. The live-action version of the cartoon that's very popular at the moment. What? Yeah, legit. I didn't even know that. The thing, I like. I heard rumors they were making that, and then no, they it, weren't. And it's then, done, dude. Now it's done. It's coming out in theater. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Um, I've never seen the show, so I have no. Either. I don't care. I've heard it's really good, way. but I've never seen yeah. it. I've heard it's good, but uh, you know, whatever. Uh, holding the man. What do they know? Sorry. Yeah. What do they know? Uh, holding the man, which is an Australian film about uh, homosexual love. Which is pretty cool. Holding men, and holding oh, men. Well, it's a play on the on the football term, obviously. I don't know what the football term is. Holding the man when someone goes for the ball <laughs> and you hold them back from getting the ball. Ah, well, there you go. I've learned something. Oh, bah! <laughs> I, I don't hold know the, about football. How un Australian are you feeling right now? You should be ashamed. Uh, Ricky and the Flash. Sounds like a, an eighties disco band. No, it's um, it's uh, what's her face? Uh, the greatest actress of our generation, Meryl Streep. Playing a uh, uh, rocker lady. Oh, I did see a review for this. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. pretty cool. Uh, the Wolf Pack, which is a documentary about a, uh, a family that lived in lives in New York, and the kids weren't allowed to go outside like ever from their brownstone. Damn. So they weren't living on a compound; they were living in a brownstone. And so to while away That's the hours insane. and recreate movies and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, we are your friends, which is Zac Efron. Sort of, you know, whatever. I assume it's a teen comedy type thing. It's got the chick from Blurred Lines in it, so... Okay. That'll be pleasing to some some male viewers. He's going to be in Baywatch. He's going to be in Baywatch. Yes, he is. The Baywatch <laughs> movie. Uh, She's Funny That Way, which I know nothing about, so moving on. Stalk Her. Again, don't care. I was say, do you know about stalking people? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know anything about stalking people. I've, I've got... Yeah, no, anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, last but definitely not least is The Gift, which is Joel Egg- Egerton's... 
Uh, so it's an Australian film. Joel Edgerton's... Uh, That's Edgerton. Uh, he, Edgerton. Yeah. Uh, he wrote and directed. I've seen it. It's awesome. Okay, cool. It is awesome. Well so done, Joel. Check it out. Good stuff. And American Cinemas. Uh, we, I don't know anything about any of these movies, so I can tell you what they are, but not what they are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have Z for Zachariah. How do you not know uh, what that is? It's a classic children's novel. No idea. It's about the uh, apocalypse. It's the end of the world, and it's a group of kids living on a farm. Uh, Hilarity ensues. <laughs> <laughs> we are your friends. Yep. The War Room and Zipper. <laughs> well, there you go. Is Zipper about a zip that comes to life and starts killing people? I don't know. I think it's pretty scary if it's uh, Commando. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> Something gets caught in the zipper. Something gets caught. That would not be good. Anyway, that's it for this episode. I am on the verge of death. I seriously need to, I think I need to go have a lie down. <laughs> I'm not going to bother reading it. I'm just going to chuck it up as it is. Lies. You'll yeah. be on Warcraft in it's about 10 minutes. Lies. I will be on Warcraft. That's true. <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> it's scary. Anyway, so that's it for episode 157. Thanks for me and the crew. Crystal. Thank you. For me as well. I got nothing. I don't know. I'm still ill. You are still ill, but still lovely. And Bo, all the way from America. You guys have some sort of like sense of humor virus or something? Oh, harsh. It saps the sense of humor right out of you. That burn. That that went straight to the heart. But it was funny, etc. Bye. You've been listening to NCP. Thank you for being a part of our crew. If you would like to support the show, you can use the Amazon widget on our website to do your Amazon shopping. If you have any feedback, please go to nerdculturepodcast.com forward slash contact us where you will find a list of the many different ways you can interact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.